Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's the Diddy NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers. Um, do you know what? I'm brimming with energy. I've got so much energy. It's going to come out in one way or another, probably in a sort of a ranty fashion. Um, I said ranty. Um, so on the podcast, I have at IT Hedgehog, Peter Jones. How are you getting on, bud? I'm, I'm, I'm good, Stephen, I think. Still trying to recover from Sunday and still trying mm. to get my head around all of all of the rumours and all of the Packers fans chagrin about Sunday and the trade deadline and mm. all of that stuff. And we should do this and we shouldn't do that. And we should sign this guy. And this was bad. And this was even worse. And yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. my head's just a buzzing. Uh, social media, Packers fans on social media tend to cannibalise each other. You know, I don't know what it is. I don't know what type of animal I'm looking for um, that sort of turns on itself. Um but that's certainly the case. But I think, you know, I think all of this can be summed up quite quickly and quite easily without having to go down the rant side of things. Um, it's all Daryl's fault. I mean, Peter, you know, his good luck charm performance this week was particularly abominable, which is why we have kicked him off. And people will notice a pattern here, right? When we lose, it gets kicked off the podcast. You come up with the rules. You suggested it, and it's working so far because whatever we say about Matt Lafleur's record after a loss, and we come back with another win, I think the secret is is that we kick Mike Kin from the airwaves, and it works every time. Well, let's let's hope so. Although I'm still not 100 percent convinced, Stephen, that you and Daryl aren't one and the same person. Yeah, <laughs> we're like a walking, talking <laughs> Spider Man. Kiff. And it's you talking to yourself when you're having a particularly bad week. Mm. Yeah. Well, it does happen. <laughs> um, we've seen the likes of my shenanigans uh, on Braveheart, where I'm forced to talk to myself, you know, that Stephen character. Like, it's my island. Uh, so there's that. Uh, and there's also probably an element of Fight Club in there, you know, is that I'm both characters. I'd like to think that right now I'm sexy Brad Pitt character, but who knows? I could be the Ed Norton guy who goes, you know, um, in the office. But Peter, there's a lot to digest here. And what we've done is with the short games week, we've blended um, quick snaps. Quick, quick stuff. Peter. I'm doing it. <laughs> Peter does it. Me and Peter like to do it regularly. So um, we've mixed quick snaps, which you in pre-production came out with a zinger. And you suggested a name change, didn't you, for this week's podcast, Peter? Which <laughs> should be long snaps. Long snaps. Long snaps. They're going to learn today. Uh, yeah, so there's all that good. Do you know what? We're having too much fun for a podcast where we're supposed to come on and... Um, lambast the team and say how deficient we are I don't know where to start with this Pete I've so much to say about this um, but let me just dive right in feet first and say um, we want to talk about and we will talk about the wide receiver stuff as we record the back and forward with Will Fuller and him putting out the gif of the kid running his fingers and getting impatient um, is all ablaze. Um, and also the, the we're going to talk about the defence um, and the fact we got ran all over. Uh, but if we're going to zero in a little bit kind of specific on the actual Vikings game. And here's what I will say is that uh, we lost obviously for anybody uh, breaking news you know turn off the podcast if you don't want spoilers uh, we lost 28-22 we were still in the game 
as such uh, to the end. But here's, I'm going to go, do you know what? I'm going to go straight in, Peter. Um, things that you should not be allowed for some reason to talk about, uh, but that are relevant. Number one, uh, the Vikings are not as bad. Uh, I know this talk of you are as good as your record says you are. And you, okay, I get all that, right? But if you look back at the Vikings, and we've said this on Quick Snaps, um, is they lost to the Titans 31-30. Uh, Titans, damn good team, undefeated at that stage. Uh, they won against the Texans in the next game, and then they lost against the Seahawks again by a single point. The Seahawks, again, another very good team. Now, of course, you're going to have the naysayers diving in. So, well, they're not actually that good if you look at whatever, right? The, the fact is these teams are playing blisteringly to our steamroll and everybody and the Vikings put it up to them. So, the Vikings could easily have been a little bit better. Uh, now, if we look at the game when we played the Vikings, uh, Aaron Jones, who put up the same numbers as Christian McCaffrey, injured. Alan Lazard, God forbid I say he's wide receiver number two, um, also injured. Um, and Jamal Williams in there trying to do the business. Add to the fact that Mason Crosby uh, was injured and with the wind, uh, you know, there was there was footage, Pete wasn't there of him, and I know I've been talking for a while now and I will let you jump in, uh, but I have to get this all off my chest, um, is that they showed him kicking balls before the game and from 40 yards he was missing uh, because the wind was pushing it back. So field goals weren't really an option, right? So the wind, I'm not saying uh, it's at fault. Aaron Rodgers came out and said the weather impacted people with the cold. And I thought, to me, it sounded kind of like a weak excuse. Um, but it certainly was a factor. Add to that, and this is the last two things that I'm going to say, is the penalties on the Packers were pretty abominable in the fact that we gave up nine penalties for 85 yards. Sorry, I'm going to say three things. Another one, the ref decisions. And again, oh, I'm glad that opposing fans don't listen to this podcast because they're like, oh, yeah, well, the Packers are always helped out by the refs <laughs> and all that sort of, you know, bullshit trope. Um, so there's that. But there was some really dodgy, uh, very impactful referee decisions apart from all of the play and EQ dropping balls and all this type of stuff. And lastly, is I need someone and I need next-gen stats. I need someone to look up how many games any team has ever won like devoid of any deficiencies at wide receiver, offensive line, quarterback, whatever uh, defense that you want to throw at us, that a running back runs for over 220, runs and receives for 220 odd yards and four touchdowns. And tell me how many of those games the team who suffer that actually win before we even get near talking about wide receiver deficiencies, you know, running backs, draft talk, Jordan Love, uh, defense tell me how many games that anybody has won when they've suffered that Peter um, and then <laughs> tell me about where our deficiencies lie because run defense was a problem last year it's still a problem this year and you're never going to win a game if you suffer that many penalties that many referee decisions that win those injuries and also the fact that you got literally spanked by the opposing running back well um, I think that uh, I don't know the answer to the question by the way but it isn't it, it isn't too many Mm. Um, I think that whilst the result was surprising, it wasn't shocking. Um, and I think we may have been shocked in inverted commas, but actually in the, in the, in the cool light of day, it, it, it wasn't shocking because I think we'd been waiting for a team that hung around until halftime and continued to run the ball. And that hadn't been the case in any of the previous games, even even the loss against Tampa Bay. You know, their offense was was mixed. But but we always felt I think all of all Packer fans felt that if a team came out and continued to stay with the run, 
i.e. they were close enough in the game to be able to stay with the run, mm. that that was always going to be a problem. Yeah. And there was nothing to indicate, I think, in the first um, six games of the season that that problem had gone away, had been fixed, had been solved in, in any way. Um, Dalvin Cook is obviously one of the premier running backs in the NFL. You know, he's in that group with... McCaffrey with Aaron Jones with with Henry those guys mm. and you know when you when you can't stop when you can't stop the run and Kirk Cousins can sit back there and only throw 11 passes I think it was in the game then to me you know that's the obviously the the formula for um I won't necessarily say beating the Packers, but it's certainly the formula for for having a very good game against against the Packers until until Green Bay can step step up and stop the run. Yeah, that and that is the formula. I mean, look as you said, Kirk Cousins, eleven of 14, 160 yards, and that's the thing, right? You want to talk about receiving weapons, um, and that's certainly the focus for the Packers. Let's have a quick look at Minnesota. So they won the game, scored twenty eight points. Um, their next. Best receive so Dalvin Cook came in with the top so he had two receptions for sixty three yards which is scandalous uh, along a fifty and a touchdown their next receiving weapon uh, was Adam Thielen with three receptions for twenty seven yards Justin Jefferson twenty six yards Chad Beebe sixteen so the thing is now I know I understand they didn't need to throw the ball because they were literally running the town our throats all the time um, but um, so it's just come in breaking news that Green Bay do not have uh, Fuller. Uh, shock um, so when you look at that Peter I mean as as you kind of alluded to because uh, here's here's what it comes down to for me and I'll try not to talk for too long again um, but what it comes down to for me is, is that last year it was a bit of a surprise that we went up to 13 and 3 uh, the offence looked like it was kind of buzzing and zinging um, so we didn't improve the offence uh, really at all we got Devin Funches ended up not playing uh, you could say we kind of improved the offence because the wide receivers came in and had an extra year or whatever uh, and weren't injured even though that's not the case now. Uh, on defense, basically the same. It's what we've been saying all along, is that they didn't really upgrade defense. Now, again, you could allude to Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes and all this type of stuff and say, we lost Blake Martinez, we brought them in, they've they've worked grand, right? Now, if you look at the offense, and this is what I was saying all along, is that I feel like that the Packers have weapons. Now, again, I got scoffed at, right? But all I'll do is, I'll just point to the fact that uh, in all of our wins, we scored 43, 42, 37, 30 and 35. We're the fourth highest scoring offense this year. I'm not saying that I believe ESB is is our wide receiver number two or MVS is doing the business. They're Quite clearly, they're not. However, we've been doing enough of what we have to be the fourth best scoring offense. If you look at the dope sheet, they're always feeding us this stuff of we got off to the hottest start, whatever. Uh, we've scored on all of our open... What is it? A touchdown on all of our opening drives? So I'm not saying what we have is sufficient um, and it is good. I'm not saying that what we have at wide receiver number two is what I want. I'm not saying that if we brought in somebody, which we can't now, but if we brought in somebody that they wouldn't help, of course they would. But to me, we've whatever we had last year, we've continued this year and we're getting by and the system was predicated on the run. Now, when we don't have that, we're goosed. When we go behind in games, we're screwed seemingly because... If you look at the, that game, and I said I wouldn't talk for too long, but I'm going to go on to talk for too long now probably. But if you look at the game against the Vikings, if you look at those uh, scoring drives, like we were using the run effectively with Jamal Williams. Uh, it seemingly took forever to get into the end zone, but we still did. Um, and we did that. Uh, if you look at the 
you know, the play-by-play and the scoring drives. So we had 13 plays, 75 yards, 7 minutes and 59. Um, and then the next one was 15 plays, 72 yards, 8 minutes, 52. And as you alluded to, what happened was is they hung around. Uh, it was even at halftime. Minnesota go up um, because they have the ball in the third quarter because we can't stop them. It's 10 plays, 85 yards, takes five minutes off the clock. Green Bay freak out because we feel that we'd take too long to dink and dunk and chunk our way down the field. And again, the game gets away from us and we're scrambling around, uh, you know, going for it on fourth down. EQ doesn't cover himself in glory by dropping two consecutive passes. No one's mentioning the fact that he brought down a fourth down pass. Now, again, am I saying that EQ is amazing? No, I'm not saying that at all. What a wide receiver bring it in, help us? 100%. However, to me, the problems are deficiencies on defense, and that's plain to see because my final point last year, Zadarius and Preston were doing the business. There was the chemistry there. We were making big splash plays, weren't coming down with a ton of takeaways, but there was balls in and out the hand, and we were sort of looking at that like it was going to be promising. You look at this year, Zadarius Smith and Preston, for whatever reason, have fallen off a cliff. We haven't addressed the run defense, which is obvious. Kenny Clark is is getting double and triple teamed. Savage, his play has fallen off a cliff. Um, Adrian Amos has been a non-factor um, and a liability at times. Sometimes he comes up with good play. Um, you know, Kevin King's injured. Jair is doing the business. Uh, but the thing is, is that people know that all I have to do is run the ball on us now. So with our offense or our defense, our offense seems to be able to get it done when we're ahead and then our defense can do whatever but our defense looks like it's regressed Peter even worse than before and that to me is the crux of the issue even though there is multiple issues I will say <laughs> yeah I think uh, well I mean you you can't win a championship with that level of level of run defense and you know whilst you know the 49ers showed us that in the championship game last year and the Viking the Vikings showed us that on on Sunday and any sensible offensive coordinator from our future opponents is going to look at that and say, I'm going to keep pounding that ball till you stop me. And I don't yeah. believe that you, and I don't believe that you can, you know, and, and then you have all the great things, the play action and stuff that comes off, you know, off a strong running game. Um, I, I think that there's, there's multiple problems on defense. And I think there's problems on, on offense, which I think have been highlighted in the two in the two defeats. Yeah. So it's it's been a strange, you know, seven seven games thus far, because in the games the Packers have won, as you quite rightly said, the off the offense has been hot. You know, you don't put up all of those points without being, you know, a very prolific offense. Um, however, in the two games that they've lost, the offense has disappeared once. Yeah. You know, once the opposition has kind of stayed close for a for a period of time, you know, and in the, and in the second half of the two losses, the Packers have had ten possessions and scored seven points, one touchdown, and you know there'll be a bit of bad luck along the way and and that kind of thing, but but ultimately, I don't know whether that's a talent issue or whether that's as much a mental issue. Mm. Um, Likely both. I mean, as you yeah. said on pre-prod, Pete, none of this is black and white, right? Yeah, and it's it's just it's just very strange, and I and, I, and I'm not sure that we're really going to know until this season gets probably played out completely. Hmm. Um, you know, we're nearly halfway through, but I but I, it's difficult to pinpoint and say, you know, who are the the 2020 Green Bay Packers because I'm just not sure right now. Um, however, 
you know, the, the plus side on all of this, the bright side on all of this is they're five and two. You know, they're not two and they're not two and five. You know, so right so right now they're sitting probably four games from a playoff spot. Yeah. With 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 nine games left to play. Now that could also be seen as defeatist because actually we want to get to the Super Bowl. We want to win the Super Bowl. That's what playing the games, playing the games all about. But I think we have to take the old adage, we have to take each game as it comes and and you have to play that that opponent that week. And we talk about the, you know, the trade stuff that that's been kind of buzzing around social media today. You know, I, I think trading for a wide receiver if they've been able to, say say a Will Fuller is the name that comes up, doesn't preclude them from still then trading for a guy to help to help the defense. Yeah. Or vice or vice versa. You know, this isn't limited. You can only make one trade today. Yeah. It's it's you have to make the trades if they're there, if they're available, if they're the right value. You know, so there's, there's no point saying, yeah, I need X player um, as a middle linebacker, but you've got to give up your next two number one picks to get a player that, that you wouldn't draft until the fourth round or something like that. You can't you can't then complain at Gooty for not making that move. I mean, that's just that's just ridiculous. And that potentially is the problem with the Will Fuller thing. You know, they've been talking today that the, the Texans wanted a second round pick for him. Mm. Um, for a player who's out of contract at the end at the end of the season, um, even if they were able to to get him in and do something with his contract, then that gives you a, a cap problem next year because you've now got an additional high value player that you that you hadn't accounted for. You know, and for all these people that are saying, I've got to have that guy, that's great and I understand it, but who are you not gonna have next year because yeah. you've got him? And I think that's the that's the difficult thing. Um I guess I guess one of the things that that we find frustrating, Packer fans generally find frustrating, and I have to hold my hands up, I do as well, is this constant we're in the conversation talk. Mm. Um some of that is kind of um some of it's social media speak, and I'm sure that some of it's true as well. Um but I'm not sure that it's helpful to keep hearing you're in the conversation, you're in the conversation, and then you don't get anybody. Yeah. Because I think that almost makes it worse than just being saying, we don't value that guy. We're not we're not having any conversations about him. Because it makes you think that either the Packers aren't serious, they're not prepared to put up enough, enough collateral, or maybe even worse, that players don't want to come to Green Bay. Mm. Um, I don't know which, which of those it is, but it does it does get a bit much after after a while just to keep hearing that we're in the conversation we're in the conversation and it's a i tell you what Pete it's a bit of a divergence on what we expect in green bay with what was released by a reporter today that said that uh the basically alluding and rob domofsky put the words in nobody's mouth and said that uh the, the reporter put out i should really have the exact tweet that the packers behind the scenes can't agree on yeah. Will Fuller. And someone put out the, uh, and this is really gossip column stuff, they put out um, this theory that it was the Packers themselves that would have leaked that to the media to yeah. let Texas know that they were serious and that they were 50-50 though and they weren't arsed and someone was and that they'd need a bit of convincing and all this type of stuff. 
Now, I don't know if I believe that or whatever, but it is pretty weird that someone who, again, I don't think typically covers the Packers now, someone could correct me if I'm wrong, um, but there's also an element of who cares uh, to it, is that they would release something. I'd expect it to come from one of the insiders, but maybe it won't, you know, the Green Bay beat writers, but maybe it wouldn't because they'd sell out their contact or whatever, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, like that strikes me that the Packers... A would let that get out because it shows discontent in the organization, which was the kind of thing that Goody to me was trying to do without by him sort of, you know, getting rid of players that were disruptive, you know, Hackland and well, Hackland it's not really, but um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember the player I'm thinking of, but anyway, uh, you know, getting rid of players that were kind of tumultuous to the locker room. So for them to release that is kind of at odds with it. But look, what I will say as well is there's an awful lot of um, fantastical stuff that goes on on social media too. Like we saw, you know, oh, we should trade for JJ Watt. And you're like, A, is he available? B, what's the price? C, we can't afford it with the salary cap if it's based on X numbers. Uh, so there's that yeah. element. And it's the same with this Will Fuller trade that, you know, we know now, uh, you know, mid-podcast that it's not come off. Um but this whole thing of like, oh, well, it'll be a rental for eight games. Now, Will Fuller is a football player, but he's also a real person. So like if you say to him and the team, look, we're going to bring you in with no reassurance as to what's going to happen after the season. You're going to have to come up to Green Bay, which is infested with COVID. Um, and also, you know, famously, that whole thing of there's nothing, there's not a lot to do in Green Bay and all this type of stuff. It's very cold. Um, and you've got to move your you and your family up um, and then after that, there's no reassurance. We're just going to let you go. You know, it's like covering maternity leave for a company who, you know, are trying to bring somebody in to cover that nine months. You know, is someone going to leave a cushy permanent job that they have to do that nine month stint with no promises of what's going to happen after? It doesn't sound very realistic to me. And it's the same with Will Fuller. Like that was never going to fly. Um, but I think ultimately it came down to trade value. But on that point as well, Pete, that you're talking about with him being in on every conversation. Do you think, because it does to me, I think, is that that damages any leverage that Green Bay have? Because it's like, you know, there's a player up for trades and then the phone rings and it's a Green Bay number. Like, oh, here's this lad again. Like, he's going to offer me a packet of crisps and, a, you know, some Haribo uh, for this player because he's in on every conversation, but he never offers the value that we want. And he's trying to play hardball. Eventually, people are going to just stop dealing with you, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you it, you know, if it, if it's true, you know, it also gives the impression that you're desperate, doesn't it? Yeah. And and, and therefore, you know, if you're, if you're that desperate, then the asking price goes up, mm. you know. Um, again, we don't know how, how true it is, but it's always widely reported at, you know, at this time of the year, free agency time and, um, and what have you. And it's just, it just great. It, after a while, it, gr- it grates a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, we are where we, we are where we, we are where we are now. You know, barring some last-minute miracle, we know that this is the the fifty-three that we're going forward with. Um, yeah, because that that's another uh, talking point, Pete, as well. It's just about the defense, right? So there's you know a co- seemingly a couple of million Packer fans on Twitter who you know are blaming Mike Pettin's play calling. I'm not saying it's it, that's not the case. We have regressed since last year. There's that. Um, there's also talk of the players themselves being 
underperformers. And now, again, that rings true just in missed tackles alone, which was 11. I think the Packers lead the league in missed tackles, uh, which is shocking. Again, not discounting some of the players they come up against. Like, Dalvin Cook is a damn good player. Uh, the You know, his um, offensive line held the blocks for him, in fairness, and opened up some nice running lanes and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we got openly spanked uh, by San Francisco last year. And, you know, when you look into that game and it all came out, it just looked like we just got absolutely embarrassed, which we did. Uh, but it came out that they were trying all these different blocking schemes and it wasn't just as easy as one man beats one man and we weren't strong enough and we got ran all over. Um, you know, it, it sort of it gets more granular, more complex. But certainly... Um, we got spanked again um, and they're looking at the players. Like when the player is in a position to make a tackle and they don't, can you put that down to coaching? Maybe you can. I don't know. Maybe they're not running the fundamental stuff properly. Maybe they're not getting a bollocking after the game that they should or mid-game or there's no accountability there. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that they're soft. These guys are super competitive, but something's not working there. So Peter, like... You know, let's let's get the finger out, the big giant foam finger here and start pointing it at someone. The defense is bad, uh, but can we say for certain it's the play calling? Can we say it's Petten? Is he on the hot seat? Is it the players? It's very hard to make sense of it all, um, and it's not black and white. No, absolutely. I think that's the $64 million question. Is it players? Is it scheme? Yeah. Is it both? Um and and that's part of the struggle that we that that we have and you know, we have we see lots of people saying you, you need to, as you just described. You know, we need to trade for JJ Watt, or we need to um, trade for Quinn and Williams, who I was, you know, high on us trying to get, um, get this player and get that player. And then on the other hand, they're saying, well, it's all Mike Pettin and his scheme. Mm-hmm. And and what keeps coming to my head is, well, which is it, guys? Because you've just said I won't need all these players, which yeah. clearly, which clearly says the players that we have. Um, there's some deficiencies there. Yeah. And then on the other other hand, you're saying, well, actually, it's all the, all the scheme. And I think the reality is in these situations is, is that it's a bit of both. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, you, you know, we, we can see even to the uninitiated, you can see some odd things going on with Preston Smith. Yeah. For, for example, um, you can see some things like the Packers spent a lot of time in cover two, particularly in the, in the first half of Sunday's game, even though, you know, the Vikings were running the ball 95% of the time. You know, they needed to get one of those safeties up in the up in the box. So that was all very strange. But like you say, if you if you look at all of those missed tackles, the horrendous attempts to tackle on tackle on um the big screen pass to that the Vikings had on on Sunday. Mm. You know, uh Savage, um, Vernon Scott, both completely whiffed on on those on that tackle you know, the tackles on that play. And that's that's that to me is not a not a defensive coordinator issue. That's yeah. a player that's a player issue. Mm. Right. You don't expect um to be to be teaching people how to tackle at the NFL level. Yeah. Right. Um now if guys are constantly in the wrong place or don't understand where they should be lined up, that's you know, that's a scheming issue. That's a coaching issue. That that I absolutely get. But the tackling it the tackling to me isn't. Mm. Um, so, I, so I think I think if we're completely honest, it's it's a bit of both. I don't think the talent on the defense is as strong as we'd like it to be. You know, there's some there's some damn good players on defense. You know, Jair Alexander, as you mentioned, abs, ab, absolutely. Kenny Clark, absolutely. 
the safeties have been disappointing this season, Savage in particular. Yeah. And actually, when you look beyond Jair Alexander and, 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 and Kenny Clark, it's actually, where's where's the next talented guy? Yeah. Because again, last year, it was Adarius Smith, Preston Smith getting yeah. pressure. Gary slimmed down. He was meant to be the second coming of either of those guys. And that just uh, and to be, fallen off a cliff with sorry, that. Sorry, no, I was, no, was going to say, to be fair, I should have mentioned Zadarius Smith in that in that list in that list as well. So beyond those three, mm. um, sorry to cut you off there, beyond those three is, is where's the next guy. And even then, Pete, I mean, it's game to game sometimes with these players. I mean, you look at Zadarius and Preston and the defensive line in general and there was no pressure whatsoever against the Bucks and then we come up against the Texans and we're all over them and then it comes up against the Vikings and we fall off a cliff again and then God knows what's going to happen against the Niners and again this is quick snaps and we will get there now let me just talk uh, really briefly if I can um, not unless there's anything else that you want to say defensively Pete is there? No, I think I, I think I think we we're just going to have to see how this plays out as we as we go as we go through the season. Yeah, and look look, we can come back to stuff as well if you think about it. By all means, uh, jump in feed first. But let me just talk about the fact of um, what I see just when it comes to the offense. Right now, when it comes to wide receiver number two and all of this talk, and I you know people are going to get bored of it and stuff. I think that we're massively deficient there. Obviously, when it comes to the traditional game plan of. Rodgers takes his three or five step drop. We're behind in games and we need to rally back. I think the problem with the LaFleur scheme obviously is. So look, what it looks like to me was is that when LaFleur got to Green Bay, we were over dependent on Aaron Rodgers trying to make stuff happen. He didn't have the tools um, at that stage to make it happen because of the wide receiver issues and everything else. Um, but we ended up with a damn good running back in Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams is uh, massively serviceable. Aaron Jones' contract is coming up next year, uh, may I remind people. Um, and with the wide receiver, you know, with some young guys there, Goody's sort of prototypical dudes. Um, so it looks like what's happened is, is Goody overreached in the draft, maybe overreached. It's That's a bit, you know, premature, right? With, with love and God knows what's going to happen there. Um, so he did that and then we all know the, the whole narrative that the draft kind of got away from right so we ended up with no wide receivers but they didn't address it either now they tried to make a splash with Devin Funches he opted out um, so that didn't pan out um, so what we are we're left with a, a bunch of guys who can sometimes make plays so you know arguably if you look at the Packers in days gone by where Aaron Rodgers would take the drop you know we'd be running verts and then he'd have to just leather the ball down the field and if you look at the likes of you know Donald Drivers and Greg Jennings and Tremichael Finleys and uh, you know White Lightning and Randall Cobb who catches everything and still catches everything and Devontae Adams' emergence and all this type of stuff you know that kind of worked then and it's no secret Aaron Rodgers came out and said that there's no point in me saying I want the second wide receiver uh, because I can stomp my feet and it's not going to happen they asked if Devontae Adams, he comes out and says, well, they don't have a need for it, he doesn't think, but obviously it would help. And of course, that makes sense. But we saw a perfect dichotomy and sort of microcosm of the Matt LaFleur system of what goes right and what goes wrong against the Vikings. So when you have a runner back in there, keeps the defense honest, you can dinky dunk, you can use your tight ends, you can use your running backs and, you know, on jet sweeps, you can use a bit of motion and all of this fancy stuff. You can do rub routes and bunch routes and uh, all this type of good stuff and use the magician stuff. And that works out really well. 
But I think what gets away from the Packers is, and that's when we put up big points because we go up to a big lead of two, three touchdowns. That game plan works. You don't have to worry about time. In fact, all of the time that we've broke down the game piece, you know, we've looked at it and said the time of possession is fantastic. They've dominated the game in time of possession and look at the, all of that type of stuff. And then we saw Aaron Rodgers talk about, oh, you can take the top off a of defense. And I'm so excited with Matt LaFleur when he came in because of that exact thing. That's always been Matt LaFleur's modus operandi is set up the pass based on the run. And I know that always sounds like a trope, but it's actually real life. Is that Aaron Rodgers keeps you on, or Aaron Jones keeps you honest, and then Aaron Rodgers can do whatever. And we've seen long passes to MVS. Someone else has come off and some of them haven't. Unfortunately, what happens is, is like what you said, the, the Vikings stuck around with the Packers and we weren't able to go up to that lead. Our defense is ridiculous when it comes to the run. And then what happens is, is that, the problem with the offense is is that when it gets to that point where you are then worried about the clock and you need to score fast, we somehow revert to this ridiculous drop back, everybody run down the field, no one tends to get separation, he tries to force it to Devontae Adams, we crumble and fall apart, we give up another touchdown against the Vikes, we freak out again and rinse and repeat. And that's when it, it becomes quite obvious that what we have weapons-wise is severely deficient and depleted um and again you know so the system works with those weapons but also is murdered by those weapons at the same time it also didn't help that eq dropped the one that he actually caught and fell to the ground and let it go for some reason and then the touchdown as well uh but then he did come up with that fourth down catch but by that time obviously it was too little too late but pete you know to me the strength of this offense also becomes the weakness of this offense when uh, we don't get up to a big lead and that's something that the Packers need to figure out now obviously yeah. a, a good second wide receiver would help that second phase of the offense to if our game plan doesn't work well then we go to that style of play where we drop back and depend on our receivers to get separation that's all great but LaFleur system unfortunately to me from what I see anyway is predicated on the run and that sets up everything else and when that doesn't work or when you don't have the time to make that work to have an 8-9 minute drive when you've like 4 minutes left we fall flat in our arse and it's going to continue to happen because all teams need to do is score against us early and stay with us um, and then run the ball down our throat, obviously. And that's the very simple formula, it seems, to beat the Packers because we've seen it twice now this season and we haven't been able to do anything about it. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't disagree with any of that. And and it's, it's a particular concern to me that when they get behind, they seem to want to, as you've said, they start running go routes mm. and, it, and, it, and it feels like a the receivers can't get o- can't get open, but also, you know, some sometimes you'll continue to dink and dunk that ball down the field. You know, yeah. if you if you if you get seven points behind or fourteen points behind, well, you're not getting fourteen points back in one play anyway. Yeah, you know, so so so, you know, and Tom, you know, Tom Brady's made a made a career. There's a reason Tom Brady has got fifty whatever it is come from behind victories. <laughs> yeah, right. And you can point and you can point at yeah, he's had a great defense and he's had this and he's had that. But Tom Brady, who doesn't have perhaps the greatest physical skills in the world, when you compare him to say a Rogers or, or one of the other great a Mahomes or one of the other great quarterbacks, doesn't have the great arm that those guys have. Mm. But 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 mentally, he's prepared to understand that that I can get this back in seven seven yards here, ten yards there, twelve yards there, three yards there, and that seemed as you, as you quite rightly said, seems to disappear or has in the two losses this season disappeared from the Packers the Packers game. One thing I wonder, um, and I, I don't know the answer to this question, is is 
is Aaron Jones a lot more valuable to this offense than we even recognize? Um, you know, so he, he, you know, the running game was held in check against the Bucks and the Packers lost. Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones didn't pay, play last weekend and the Packers lost. Now, I'm just really throwing that one out there really for the for the listeners to, th- to think about, because it may well be that Aaron Jones is actually, as I say, a lot more valuable than we even recognize. I would go out on a limb and say that 100% he is uh, one of the cornerstones of the success in Green Bay. And it really brings into focus what they do with his contract and how important that they think he is. Um, It also makes me ponder the whole AJ Dillon draft pick and that to a lot of people, it's confusion and all of this type of stuff. And again, I'm no, um, you know, draft expert. That's... um, ye lads like who watch the game watch the tape and and talk about it and put values on these players but to me I think that it's been clear with LaFleur is that he he needs a big bruising back because that's what he sets his offense up on and I think when we don't have Aaron Jones that's a big problem when we don't have Alan Lazard that becomes a bigger problem than people want to admit it because you know he's another little piece in there that has been more reliable than the others to get this offense clicking and I think it's very important that we have Aaron Jones back on the field I think he's you know and because here's my theory really right is that LaFleur comes into Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers is at odds with his coach and there's all of those tropes about that he doesn't get along with him and all that and I think if if you're over-reliant on anybody in any organisation or walk of life you know be it a relationship uh, be it in a firm be it in a sports club it's never good that you're over-reliant on anybody I mean there's businesses out there that literally their only client is a big supermarket like I know of a bakery um, and they employ a lot of people in the UK and Ireland and um they're solely set up to deliver bread to a big supermarket. That's their only client. Now, from an audit perspective, you'd look at that and go, that's just silly because if you lose that contract, your whole business goes down the swanee and that's true. Yep. But they're still, that is a fact. I know that for a fact. So like the thing is, is obviously when they got to Green Bay and they see Aaron Rodgers sort of calling the shots and the quarterback obviously is an important position, it's never good to have an offense because look, it wasn't working, was it? I mean, look at the bad um, habits that he was getting into that he would sort of give up on a play and run around. He'd be rolling his eyes allegedly, according to Mercedes Lewis, when McCarthy'd call it in, he'd be changing his own plays. So like, and then you marry that with Matt LaFleur and the fact that he sets up his offense based on the run first and then that sets up the pass. It seems to me that they've tried to pivot away from an Aaron Rodgers dependent offense. Yeah, Yeah, and and again, it begs begs a similar question to to that that we were talking about with with Mike Pettin. You know, um, McCarthy obviously caught a lot of heat, particularly in the last couple, couple of seasons with the Packers. And it was all about, well, if we get a young offensive guru head coach then our offensive problems will go away yeah and absolutely no, no issue with the with the theory and it was time and, and for McCarthy to move on and all of that no problem with 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 that but now what I'm hearing is well, we've got this great offensive guru head coach but we need still need more weapons yeah well then you could apply the argument that said McCarthy needed more weapons as well mm. so, um so it, it's 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 an extremely difficult one. I mean, when Aaron Jones is out, I think that re-highlights the fact that you don't have a weapon opposite Devontae Adams. Yeah. Especially with Lazard being out in, injured as well. Um, and, and 
you know, from an Aaron Jones perspective, I just think that this is this is helping his contract. This is helping his contract case, whether that's with Green Bay or with another team next next year. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, look at the and again, look just look at the production too. I mean, on your question about Aaron Jones, the fact that he stacked up the same numbers as Christian McCaffrey, you know, the sexy golden boy of the NFL. Um, you know, the Paul Horning number two. Uh, if you know what we what we read is we believe, you know, like the touchdowns and the yardage and everything else and just how important he is to that team. And I think that's the case. I think the problem with the LaFleur offense, which is also, you know, the the majesticness of it all, if that's a word, um, is the fact that when he has all of the parts and the component pieces, um, it's a it's a glory to watch when you've all the motion going on and you've like look at some yeah. of the stuff Aaron Jones is catching out in the backfield. Um his offense is not the traditional you know, stack yourself at wide receiver and sling the ball downfield. That's not how he runs his offense, whether we like it or not. Uh, that's just not how it's done. And he's able to use the pieces that he has there uh, to great effect. But when you have people injured, uh, when you have a good defense and it seems that his game plan goes down the drain, well, then what ends up happening is, is that unfortunately he has no way to adjust his well-oiled machine. It's kind of like a car, I guess. You know, you take out the suspension or you take out the spark plugs. You know, you're going to be stuttering and all that kind yeah. of stuff. No, abs- absolutely. It's 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 when it's good, it's very good, and when it's bad, it's horrid. Yeah, and that's pretty much what we've seen from the offense in the in the first you know seven games of the season. Some of that, in in fairness, might be, and we forget this, is that we've got a very young, inexperienced head coach. Yeah. Um, you know, this wasn't a guy that even you know had head coaching experience elsewhere. So, so, so the guy's only developed as as the lead man, as the head coach, twenty odd game plans in his in his career. Yeah, he he's been fantastic. You know, his his one loss record, eighteen and five in the regular in the regular season. So there haven't been too many games, if you like, where his game plan hasn't been good good enough to win. Um, you know, and 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 maybe. We just have to remember as well that it's part of the learning process for him, mm. um, especially when I think we've touched on this before. When things generally work so well, it's very difficult, isn't it? To to you almost don't what's the word? You almost don't practice or develop your plan B because plan A works all the time. Yeah, and then and then when on the odd occasion plan A doesn't work, then you've got then you've got an issue, and that's kind of what it what it what it feel what it feels like right now and i i i think we have we have to give him some some lee some leeway there um but it's just it is odd it's it's not typically what you expect from an nfl team that's it's either fantastic or it's horrible you know you you, you see you see teams you see really good teams um i don't know let's take the seahawks as kind of roughly at the packers level ish um you don't expect that, that even though their defense defense isn't great, you don't expect it to have the kind of game that the Packers had on Sunday. Yeah. You you expect, you know, if the Seahawks go down by 14 points going into the fourth quarter, nobody's writing off Russell Wilson from bringing them back. Mm. So far, it doesn't feel like the Packers are capable of doing that. And I, and I and I say so far. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's it's kind of a poison chalice too that we've got off to such a hot start in his first season um, and then being dismantled embarrassingly on the biggest stage by um, San Fran. 
And then it doesn't help that we've rocked into this season after a very questionable draft where we haven't addressed the issues of need. Um, and we've again got off to a hot start, 4-0, and then we fall to 4-1. and And again, social media cannibalizes itself. We bounce back with a win against the Texans, but people say, well, we should have because they were crap. And then we come up against the tough Vikings team. Um, which again shouldn't have been so tough because of you know the fact that we dismantled them in week one that they have a poor defense, um, but then Dalvin Cook comes in and does the business. I think what hurts us too is is that in one game we saw the two deficiencies glaringly in the sense that and this is the thing as well of I know I sort of say look the offense has been zinging they've been putting up points so whatever they have in there be it a ragtag bunch of lads um, is that they've been able to make it work obviously and with the scheme and all that and that's that's every question I've asked every guy who covers it in depth and Peter Bukowski apparently came out and said that if we don't understand the scheme we should just shut the F <laughs> up right um, and they understand all that so I've been asking all of these goddamn experts is it the scheme that you see that is the amazing part of LaFleur or are we lucky or the teams are playing just bad or what's going on? And they said, no, no, you have to give LaFleur credit for what he's able to scheme up here. Um, so it's just bad that in that game against the Vikings in a game that we were deemed to win, the game kind of that like, well, let's get this out of the way because we've got a short week with the Niners kind of thing, is that we you know, invite this crowd of um, Vikings into Lambeau and... We get ran all over, which is the deficiency last year. And what we're going to face, the, the real asset test now is on Thursday, kind of, even though they're injured. And then the, the wide receiver issue where EQ drops two balls consecutively that would have kept the, the dream alive. But this is what I will say, is that it's kind of akin to when a kicker comes on and it's the, you know, time is expiring. He's got two seconds on the clock and he needs to kick the ball. When that kicker misses... You have two camps of people. Well, you have three. Some people don't care. But on one side, you'll have people saying, you know, you can't blame it on the kicker. We were in this position because of X, Y, and Z. And this is why the game was close because, you know, reason, reason, reason. And they point to the offense and the defense and they feel sorry for the kicker. Then you have other people, including head coaches, who then sack the kicker and say that it's a kicker. It's his effing job. Why isn't he kicking the ball and all this kind of stuff? So you'll have two camps here. So when you look at the likes of, you know, EQ making drops and then he catches one in, of course, you're going to have people coming out saying it's not good enough. And it isn't good enough. Of course it isn't. And we see the deficiency there. But again, you know, we were put into that position because it got into desperation time. Now, you would say a team that has addressed those issues would have had players in there that would have made the play. Um, you'll also have people saying, had we had Will Fuller, for instance, he would have made that catch. Again, that's not something you can say. And I'll, I'll say this example, right? Now, more than likely he would have, I will concede that, right? But when you look at the likes of... Um, so let's just say we were struggling a tight end and who do we bring in? Jimmy Graham. And everyone was like, okay, right, it's not premium Jimmy Graham. It's not Saints Jimmy Graham. But here's an experienced veteran guy. Did you know he used to play basketball? And then they see all of this stuff of like he's going to catch in the middle of the field and he's, you know, he's, he's one of the best uh, red zone threats. And he absolutely laid an egg. We didn't use him or he didn't catch the ball. He was shocking. And then he ended up uh, getting dumped. And that's the exact point. You can bring in a veteran, of course you can, and say that, oh, well, he, Jimmy Graham would have caught that ball. But then it, sometimes it doesn't pan out that way. But yes, we are, this is the thing, it's like being a cat and a dog person. And people go, which one are you? And you're like, oh, well, how about I like both? So the thing is, we are deficient at wide receiver number two. We don't have any answers when it comes to the game of trying to sling it and come back from um, a deficiency, 100%. We can zing if we're ahead. Defence, 
we were crap on run defense. We have both of those deficiencies. And Peter, we've more deficiencies really, don't we? I mean, you mentioned safety and everything else. So we focus on these two areas when really we are deficient on other areas too. If you, if, even if you look at running back now, Jamal Williams is off with COVID, which we haven't actually mentioned yet. I don't think Kamal Martin is also off as a close contact because AJ Dillon got it. And now who do we have at running back? Dexter Williams and Tyler Irvin. One of those is a wide receiver and the other guy... I think he's what five carries and two fumbles or something. Um, something so we're like up Hapenny's place with that as well. So I mean, there's glaring holes in the roster, but we've been able to paste over on offense and get by. Um, and we've had weapons and we've used the weapons that we've had. You know, we've done a lot with a little, let's say, in some areas. Whereas the defense, we just haven't been able to find the answer to paste over those cracks. Yeah, abs- absolutely, and. And when it all boils down to it, you know, you've got your salary cap of, of what it is, 198 million this year. And if you pay this guy, you can't pay that guy. Yeah. So so to a degree, you know, we're paying the penalty for the four free agent signings that we had last year, you know, the Smiths and Amos and Billy Turner, which is why we can't afford to pay guys this year. That's the way it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, we all say, Player X, let's take David Bakhtiari as the example, pay the man. Mm. You, know, you know, I think that's the general consensus. But but everybody realistically has to understand that if you pay him, you're not paying somebody else. And particularly if you're paying him, you know, the 22 million, which would make him the highest paid tackle in the league. It's great to say pay the man, but don't then complain that we couldn't re-sign Aaron Jones or we couldn't sign this guy or we couldn't we weren't active in free agency because that's 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 the way it works yeah and I mean look the other thing out there as well Pete is that people are saying it's not the personnel on defense and the rationale that they say is because we've poured so much draft capital into defense over the years that it's not personnel it's scheme but what I will say is you can draft poorly I mean if you know if we look at the draft that's happened and people are really down on it particularly because of the performance that the wide receivers you know Chase Claypool and Justin Jefferson and all that kind of stuff the stuff that they're able to do they see it as a massive missed opportunity um, which is a which again is a valid debate for for another day whether we could actually go up that far in the draft to even get these guys people are quoting which we probably couldn't anyway so you know you have to cancel out some of the, the higher echelon guys because we literally wouldn't have given up our entire draft to get a wide receiver that was never on the cards we see what what the Packers are not willing to give up for Will Fuller and everybody else so they're not going to do that so you know there's everyone looks at the draft classes and says, oh, we could have had this guy. We never could have had him. Um, so it's sort of the lower down guys or whatever. But some of these guys are still putting in a fantastic performance. But that doesn't mean like, you know, we've put draft capital into the defense, but obviously we don't have the right guys and we haven't done it in the right places because we still have this problem um, year in and year out. And someone validly said, you know, we paid Kenny Clark a massive extension. Did we pay him as a, you know, to rush the pass or did we pay him as a run stopper I mean you know the, the assumption was that he was the the sort of linchpin of the defensive line and he was, a, he was an amazing run stopper um, but we haven't been able to get purchased on that so is that investment a good investment to what I would say he's double and triple cover because he's the only threat on the on the D-line you know on the inside yeah, but no, you know yeah oh abs- a- 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 absolutely but but yeah and, and, and your point is is absolutely is absolutely spot on you can put all those resources in through those draft picks mm. Um, but they've got to be able to play. Yeah. And, and just because a guy's picked in the first round or in the second round, if he's a bust, he's a bust. And, and you know, and you look at the some of the 
you know, the drafts just before Gooty, so the Demarius Randalls and the Quentin Rollins and all of those picks on picks on defense. Well, where are those guys now? Yeah, because not only not only did they not do it for the Packers, but you know they bounced around the league. Randall went to Cleveland, did nothing, is no longer there. Yeah, Rollins pretty much the same, and you could pick Dayton lots Jones. of lots of those guys. Yeah, all the, all of those guys. So it's not just about you know a name or or a, or a first round pick. The guys the guys have got to be able to play. And yeah, you know that you can argue in the last couple of years. Yes, they need the right the right coaching. Let's take a Darnell Savage was at a good solid rookie year. Looks to be having a bit of a, a down year this year. Some of that may be coaching. Yeah, you know, we don't know, don't know, or it may just be kind of the sophomore curse or or, or whatever it is. Um, but but you know we we. We just don't know. We don't know how Savage is going to turn out. We don't know how Rashawn Gary is going to turn out. You know, had a had a good start to this season, and has kind of disappeared in the last in the last few weeks. Yeah, and you know he may turn out to be a, to be a bust, which wouldn't surprise some people. You know, and then are you blaming Mike Pettin for that because he didn't pick him? Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, as we said earlier, it's 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 generally a mixture of all, of all of these things and I you know I f- from Mike Peck Petting's perspective and the defense's perspective Thursday night ga- Thursday night's game is going to be huge because mm. the Packers have got 10 days off after that game yeah and whilst I doubt very much that they would make a move mid-season because it's going to be extremely difficult for example for somebody to come in from the outside as a new defensive coordinator or um, you know, and, and install his system and get the players to play it. So I would doubt very much they would make a move mid-season. But if they were going to, it's going to be happening those ten days, isn't it? It's a difficult one, you know. And and you hear all these other names, you know, about the Dan Quins of this world. Um, well, somebody needs to go and look at Dan Quinn's record when he was the head coach of the Falcons and look at their defense there. Yeah. And then needs to take a closer look. At the, at the defenses that he had in Seattle, because he had one really good year in the defense that he inherited. Yeah. By the way, a bunch of players that he inherited the old the old Thomases of this world from 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 the previous regime. So it's not always as straightforward as let's get rid of this guy and bring another guy in. You know, we, we, everybody was calling for years. Got to get rid of Dom Capers. Yeah. Well, we got rid of Dom Capers, and now everybody's <laughs> saying we got to get rid of Mike Pett. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love the hashtag hire capers. <laughs> well, yeah, it goes it goes from one to the other. So it goes yeah. from hire capers to hashtag fire capers, depending <laughs> on how the defense is <laughs> the defense is doing. But um, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's you know it's, it's always with these things. I think that generally speaking, it's a it's a multitude of things, and it, it's just. It's just not. It's just not black and white, is it? You, no. you, you, you know, it, it's. There's clearly deficiencies on the playing side. There clearly are some questions on the on the on the coaching side as well. Yeah, because I think what as well what's kind of helping us out here is, is the fact that we're in the second year. We're halfway through this season, and we're starting to. It's starting to really crystallize exactly what this team can and can't do well, and what their style of play is. 
So, for instance, Matt LaFleur seems to be very, very good at the trickery and, you know, focusing on one game at a time and all this type of stuff. But we're quite clearly spanked when we don't go up um, and we find it very hard to come into games. And if he's going to revert to a different style of play halfway through the game to try sling it, to try get that time back instead of being patient and doing the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniel stuff yeah. on it um, and continuing to stick with the game plan. Because the thing is, I mean, you know, it's like when you play poker and you're chasing a loss and you start off fine and you're building up your chips and then all of a sudden you start to lose them. So then you start to take more risks and, you know, it doesn't always work out. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And if that's going to be, he either needs to change his game plan and stick with it and stick to his strengths and dink and dunk and trust the small stuff on the screens and the jet sweeps and all this kind of things. He needs to stick with that. But if he's going to resort to needing weapons that get separation and that can catch a ball well then yeah we need to stock up the yeah. roster with players it, that can do that uh, yeah abs- absolutely and it and it may be that despite the disappointment of of, of sunday hmm. that this it, it may be that this team is just one or two players away yeah you know if you got an extra weapon on offense and you got either you know a really strong inside linebacker or run stuffer up on the line mm. those two players may be enough to make to make the difference because if you think of this team's five and two right so even if they lose to the 49ers thursday and we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute but the five and three at halfway just double that takes you to 10 and six for the season mm. one or two players takes 10 and six to 12 and four or 13 and three and you're and you're competing at super bowl level so so in in this league it doesn't it doesn't take very much and i think i think when you overanalyze player by player position by position i think unless you do that for every team yeah it 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 makes it a difficult job because you know we look at some players and you think well i'm not quite sure about him but then if you went and analyzed seattle or kansas city or any of the other really good teams in this league actually they've got players that are not the greatest players in the world as well. Yeah. Um, it's just that we don't see them every week for 60 minutes, week exactly, in, week yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, uh, look, and it's complimentary football. I mean, in my eyes, yeah. what happens is, is that the Packers have proved that they can win when they can go up early in the defense and get some stops. So, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be, you know, we can get both um, or we can improve on both or do something in scheme in a certain way to improve on both, perhaps. And on the, because like the, the popular one that I see out there is, is that, you know, and it's that guy, you know, tapping his head, sort of like, oh, that's thinking, you know, up there for thinking down there for dancing kind of thing. Um, so it's, you know, it's that whole thing of, oh, well, if we had another offensive weapon, well, then all we have to do is, is just keep throwing up the score. That's all well and good, but if you go seven zip up and then you're seven seven and then you're fourteen seven and then fourteen all and then twenty one fourteen and then twenty one all, if you're just trading um, serves like tennis. You don't ever get daylight between you and the other person. You you need to stop the other person's serve. Yeah. So you need something on defense, anything on defense, um, to not be just so exposed and transparent. But I guess that kind of leads us to this Niners game. Now, I see an awful lot about injuries and that Mostert's not going to be playing. And then people are giving the trumpet and the fanfare about the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is injured. Not They're not celebrating his injury, but the fact that, you know, well, look, there's another weapon that they don't have. So this gives us kind of a chance. 
But again, I would encourage people to go back and look at the Niners game and the performance Jimmy G was putting in before he got injured and then what Mullins came in and did after he came in and tell me if you're so confident because this is not a chump. This is a guy who came in and nearly brought that game back um, and won it in the end. So I don't think they're yep. deficient at quarterback, yep. Peter. But um, we're right in saying, aren't we, that uh, A... It seems to be that Shanahan has LaFleur's number. Um, he completely embarrassed him on the biggest stage. This is kind of a little brother, big brother relationship. And there's going to be one thing that the Niners are going to do on Thursday <laughs> and it's going to be run the ball. Now, they could try to get counterintuitive and, and go with the pass and all that kind of stuff. But you would imagine that with Jair on one side of the field at least is that we have something to combat that. Um, but when it comes to this game, like, is it silly to say that it's that simplistic? It's they're going to run the ball and we're going to be goosed. Um, and is it going to be a hard game despite all of their injuries? Oh, I think oh, I think it's going to be a, a, ver- a very difficult game. I think that I think any any Thursday night game when you're on the road is a, is a diff- is a difficult game these days, and and particularly when you've got you're travelling, you know, across across the country to do it. You yeah. know, that just just the logistics of that um, make make it make it make it more difficult than it otherwise would be and it would be difficult enough anyway um i think the injuries yeah i don't think i think the injury to garoppolo slightly helps the packers but it's not a huge drop off from garoppolo to to mullins um and partly of that is is as you've mentioned i think you know you'd expect the 49ers to to run the ball a lot therefore as long as mullins can ha- can hand off he'll be okay yeah um Yes, you know the 49ers are without most start, um, but they've still got Jerick McKinnon, Jermichael Hasty. So, so they've got a good they've got a good running game, and I, the same thing applies, I think, and and I think this applies all season long for the Packers until you stop the run, it's just going to keep coming at you. Yeah. Now, what we have to hope, pray, trust, <laughs> maybe, is that. Um, Pettin's going to come up with something, you know, his scheme isn't going to suddenly, cha- you know, turn 180 degrees overnight and the players aren't going to suddenly change 180 degrees over- overnight, but maybe a-, a little tweak there and a little tweak there may make the difference. And, and the other thing, you, you know, that the Packers have kind of missed on defense this season, which always makes the difference is turnovers. Yeah. Um, so you never know. You know, it could be that even if the 49ers run the ball well, uh, a fumble here, a fumble there, stops a couple of drives, you get up. So so, so this is a game that the Packers are in, as far as I'm concerned, even though the Packers themselves are dealing with this deficiency at, at, at running back to the point where I thought it was going to be you and me, Steve, playing <laughs> playing running back on, yeah. on, on Sunday. Um, on Thursday, rather. But... I think this is a game that the Packers are, def- are definitely are definitely in. Um, they've got to find a way of slowing the running game down, whether that scheme, whether that's you know the odd turnover here and there. Um, but I think this is a one-score game. I don't think there's I don't think there's huge amounts in this, and I certainly don't expect to get blown out like they did in the in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, like unfortunately for me, this game comes down to that, like from all the weaknesses that we spoke about with, you know, depth behind Devontae Adams um, and then also on our run defense. I think that's that's exactly what the problem is here because we don't have Jamal Williams. We don't have Aaron Jones. 
Um, so we're not going to keep them honest with the run. Now, maybe we will. I mean, maybe Tyler Irvin will pull off some magic. Maybe Dexter Williams will actually, you know, remind himself to hold on to the ball. Um, I don't know. That's probably doing him a disservice because I know, you know, he looked like, you know, like there was sort of promising stuff touted about him. But the problem is that I think this game is just highlighting our deficiencies. It's taking away our run game, you know, so it's going to cause us to have to throw it. And we know that's the problem. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we're for us to win this game, I think we need a big performance from the supporting cast of tight ends and the dudes behind Devontae Adams. We need uh, EQ to, to catch some stuff. Uh, we might go to... Malik is going to get a call up, I think, probably severely. Uh, Darius Shepard's going to have to do the business. I mean, it's just, I don't know. And there's going to have to be some trickery. And then on top of that, then I just think we have to go all in to stop the run. And uh, as you said, I mean, the reason that we don't get interceptions, Rose, because people just run all over. So we don't actually get a chance yeah. to intercept the ball. Um, so I think there's going to be an element of that, Pete, isn't there? Like what you're saying, I mean, we need to make them throw the ball and then hopefully we can come down with something. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So, so you know, the, the, you know, the first and second down plays are crucial, aren't they? You know, yeah. you, you, you want to be getting them into third and five, third and eight, third and ten, third and seven. Which are you know which a passing a passing down? Do you want to be getting them into that situation? Um, Debo Samuel is out for the 49ers, which yep. is you know which is a great plus. You expect to see um, Jair probably matched up on probably Brandon Ayuk, I would I would guess. Um, you know Kittle's out, so you know it's you're never going to have a better opportunity, are you? With Kit with Kittle not there, their number one running back not there, their number you know their quarterback not there. Um, Nick Bowser out for the season, you know, that, that's, that's a big loss as compared to who they had for the NFC championship game. The Packers, other than the running back position, um, you know, the Packers are reasonably, reasonably healthy. You know, you're always going to lose one or two guys, but they're, they're reason, reasonably healthy. And I, I, I just think this is a game. I think the Packers will bounce back. I think Lafleur has that mentality. I think they'll bounce back. I'm not sure that they'll win. Right? I, I, I would still fancy the 49ers by a, by one score, mm. but I don't think I don't think this is, as I say, this isn't the NFC Championship game of last year. I've got I've got a little more faith in in this team, despite some of the the downbeat conversation. I've got a little bit more faith in this team, and I think the Packers will play well Thursday night, even if they don't win. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to. I, I'm just concerned as well for a guy who's kind of said, you know, I think we've weapons. I think when the offense is, is humming, then we're fine. I just think we're missing too many pieces with, you know, basically no running backs room um, and having to rely on the on the pass game. I think we can do it. I mean, we saw some nice stuff from Tunyon um, and Jay Sternberger coming down on some stuff. Um, Devontae, as always, is is practically uncoverable. But yeah, I think this, if ever LaFleur is going to come down to scheme, but what I would uh, sort of proffer, Pete, is, is that this is a game, whether he wants to admit it or not, that LaFleur has had his eye on since last year. Yeah. You know, that he's looked at it and thought, right, you know, obviously it's not ideal. But look at what um, they're dealing with in San Francisco, yet they're still able to eke out wins because f- for Shanahan... He's a master game planner and it comes down to scheme and people doing their assignments. So if LaFleur wants to take that step up and match his record, which has been fantastic and, you know, he's seems that he's only getting better. If he wants to show that he has some big boy pants on, I think, Pete, this is the statement game, particularly with him being banged up, um, that he has to try and make it against all odds with running backs and COVID and everything else. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. You know, the, 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 you know, the good teams, the big teams play well in the big games, don't they? And, yeah. and, and at some point you have to, you have to have that statement game, that game that really, really counts. And I think they'll play well. I do. I, I think they'll play well Thursday night. They've not had two consecutive bad games under Lafleur. I think they'll play well Thursday night. It may not be quite good enough to to tip the balance. Yeah, agree. Um, unfortunately, agree. Yeah. Um, but look, after this, uh, to end it on a on a good note, I guess we have the Jaguars. Uh, that's coming mm-hmm. up on the fifteenth of November. Again, we're back to a nice, uh, tasty time along with the Colts. I would say Ray of Sunshine Peace. Uh, let's have a look ahead. So, you know, we'll AJ Dillon will get over his bout. We'll have Jamal Williams back. Aaron Jones looks like he's he's hopefully coming close, even though that injury is keeping him out again. Uh, we, we'll have Alan Lazard back. Um, we'll get a bit of a sort of a breather between the Niners game and then the subsequent Jags game, as you said. So hopefully we'll start have people coming back healthy and that we can get the offense clicking again. We can just stack the box the whole time. Just literally just put on the fat guys and just leave them on there at the base package um, and just, you know, dare them to to beat us in the past because, yeah. you know, that's all we have at this stage. And hopefully we'll get back to some sort of form. I know people's concern is is that, you know, we get to the playoffs and that we get absolutely uh, hoofed and embarrassed. And yeah, I completely see your concern. Um, I don't think we have it in us to be able to come back from behind with the system that we've obviously installed and with our run defense and all of those other tropes. But I don't know, Pete, maybe we get some sort of stretch of good play. Maybe some of these defensive players start to find form. We see more from the safeties because we have more disruption up front. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's not, look, and as well, we're talking like we're not five and two, right? <laughs> so like yep. there is that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we're now in that situation where we have to take one. We have to take one game at a time, obviously, and let's just get through Thursday night's game. I think, if, as I say, I think if we win it, it's a bonus. But we'll, if if we, if we don't, we'll be five and three, with the Jags and the Colts and the Bears coming up as the next next three games. And yeah, you know, uh, good good teams will will come out of that stretch of stretch of games with three wins or maybe two wins and one loss. Going to the Colts won't be easy, but I, you get the feeling. I get. I get the feeling that if somehow, if somehow they can get a few more turnovers on defense, because they've had hardly any this season, yeah, that that will make a huge, a huge, huge difference. Hmm. Well, there we go, Pete. We've spoken like two fully paid employees of the Packers PR department. There, I say, um, if people get it. They get it. If they don't get the joke, well then. That's absolutely fine as well. But we're first in the NFC North, uh, which still rings true. We kind of had a favour because the Bears lost and we're going in against the Niners team uh, with nothing to lose uh, at this stage. We're going to go in and just give it absolute proper welly. Um, but from myself at Steedy the NFL, from himself at ITH, Peter Jones, that has been the um, sort of the mishmash of the post-game breakdown and the quick snaps and keep it here uh, till next week we might be doing a little bit of an earlier podcast let's say because it's on Thursday and uh, we'll get to you know have a Sunday in peace well we can't lose this Sunday peace because we ain't <laughs> playing oh well but anyway it's a go pack go stay optimistic go. we're still number one talk to you next week <laughs>